Hey guys, this episode is going to get a little deep and dark. We're talking about serial killers and I just want to give a quick trigger warning for rape um, and murder. So if you uh, maybe don't want to listen to really, really dark stuff like that, maybe skip this episode. But come back for our next one because it'll be a little lighter. Yeah. on air oh yeah yes. absolutely just read the hate mail out we know loud. we should embrace we're we're going to be controversial no matter what right so we should yeah. embrace yeah. that and yeah. we should all be I mean, super fucked up that day so that yeah. we're ready to go yeah yeah just read just read over it and just we should do that when we're all together yeah <laughs> i that would be fun. that would oh, that would be yeah. a lot of fun yeah, yeah. just read the hate mail um, it's turning uh, into comedy. Okay. Turn it into comedy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Do a roast yeah. on all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, speaking yeah. of which, welcome to High Junkie. I'm just kidding. This is the high kind. I just wanted to take a stab <laughs> at Crime Junkie for a second. It's a great show. No no harm. But reason why is uh, we're going a little outside the box uh, tonight. Yeah. We're talking about serial killers and we don't normally talk about serial killers uh and to be frank there will be details that are a little gnarly and uh but i'm not going to go too in depth on serial killers because there's so many true crime podcasts and crime junkie is actually a good one i enjoy the show even though i kind of opened up making fun of it um i haven't listened to it it's but good. i do love true crime podcasts it's good i like crime junkie uh they're very informative um very relaxing and you know there's a charm to it there's a charm uh uh we listen to it a lot when we go to sleep okay <laughs> that's interesting I, interesting I don't, bedtime material. yeah i don't think it's really far outside our range really though because like you know, the, the, all, all these fucking uh, serial killers could just be fucking demons or archons or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it's not that far outside of our our normal yeah. purview, you know. And uh, this episode is called "Ohio is for Serial Killers" because I hate the band Havathorn Heights. <laughs> oh God, <Okay>. me too. <laughs> um, that band can die. Yeah, I don't know that band. Uh, you, you don't do, remember you the better. song when we were like. Uh, Late teenagers, Ohio is for lovers. I'm about to look it up right now. Look I it have up. No feelings about them. Yeah, I I'm pretty. Don't care. I mean, not my, not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea, frankly. And they're uh, way too to, old for the majority of our listeners to give a shit. They about are way too old for the majority of our listeners. Like Gen Z is going to be like, "What is this reference?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> this actually reminds me. Sorry, go for it. I got nothing. Okay, um, I was gonna say this reminds me. Uh, speaking of Hawthorne Heights, someone did like a perfect sync up of a Hawthorne Heights song and the Sword Art Online intro, and it's fucking hilarious. Oh god, fi- you got! I'll find yeah. it after this. Um, post that. <laughs> this in the is chat. terrible. This yeah, is awful. It is. 
<laughs> it is uh, terrible I'm sorry. for, for I... the one for the one millennial no actually we have a good chunk of millennials that listen to us but uh, but truthfully we we have a lot of uh gen zers and uh kate lynch has dropped oh, just, oh shit let's give her a minute you can edit this out right yeah i can edit it out or just to add her back it's, in it's a terrible song yeah that was like caitlin was pumped about the serial killer since she dropped (laughs) they're after her yeah she's got to be on it yeah she's got to be on it uh but yeah like some millennials listen to the show and they might get the reference of have Thorn Heights and Ohio is for lovers, but frankly, we have a, a pretty big Gen Z listenership. And they're they're probably just like, what the fuck are you? These, what the fuck? These the fuck kids. Is that so these fucking kids. Mm-hmm. Um, no, playing we, with their occultism and their yeah. fucking God, UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And Gen Z. As I'm a happy. millennial, I like I like Gen Z so far. I like Gen, Gen Z, Z too. Gen Z don't really take much shit. No, and they're very like well informed because yeah, they're yeah, they're very that. informed. They're we're very mature very fast. Yeah, we're in the we're in the middle of, of being because we're millennials. Yeah, of being you know, I don't know. We're just so ap- we're just so goddamn apathetic of everything. <laughs> Well, look, I, I mean, the millennials. Yeah, you're, you're back. You're back. Hi. Yay. Hi. Well, millennials got fucked over so bad. I mean, two yeah. recessions. Like, two recessions. Know, all these endless useless wars. degrees. We were, yeah, yeah, endless wars. We were, were told all to go to school and we're in this massive amount of student debt. Like, yeah. I hope Gen Z learns from our mis- the, oh, the I mistakes hope they do that too. Please. our generation were pushed, in, pushed into, you yeah. know, like. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah hope Gen Z. Like, also listen to just, all the Gen Zers that are listening right now. I fucking hate avocado toast with a goddamn passion. <laughs> so leave me <laughs> off of that fucking list. Yeah. Okay. Do they do they like it? Is it just a millennial? No, thing? they make fun yeah. of ever, all millennials because if all the white bitches my age love avocado so do toast. It's I don't understand it. It's a oh. thing. It, it's a thing. It, it is a thing. Well, Gen Z, when and bottomless mimosas, yeah, when people tell you, hey, go to school, because if you don't go to school, you'll be flipping burgers. Well, guess what? A lot of our generation went to school. We're flipping goddamn burgers. Surely Gen Z's mm-hmm. parents aren't telling them, go to school or you'll end up flipping burgers. I, I mean, hope that, not. That I hope they learn from our mistakes. Still, right? I no. hope I hope not. I hope not. No. But we're talking about serial killers. Uh before we get to before we go on too much of a rant about uh oh air our millennial grievances. Um right. but has anybody ever heard the phrase that Ohio has the most serial killers? No. I've heard it. Nope. No, nobody else has heard it. I've heard it multiple times, but now, granted, I heard this from people from Ohio. And <laughs> well, that's fair. We'll get into that. Oh, we'll, I, we'll get into that. 
I've biased. heard that California has a whole bunch of serial killers, and I've heard that uh, Orlando has a whole bunch of serial yeah. killers. Yeah. And I, I knew that Ohio did, but I haven't heard that they had the most. But yeah. I mean, okay, I'll, well, I'll they, hear it. Yeah, I've heard it from uh, people, uh, a couple of people that I've known from Ohio. And my my interactions with Ohioans, uh, no offense, Ohioans, has been very hit and miss. I either really fucking love you or I really hate you. There's no <laughs> middle ground with the Ohio people that I've interacted with in my life. And, and as I said, the people that I loved, I absolutely loved. And they were some of the best people I knew. But the ones, the other ones, I was just like, oh, why? <laughs> uh, but anyways, it's been speculated that Ohio has the most serial killers. It's actually a myth. And uh, I don't know how the rumor got started, but there is some there is something to say about it because we're going to go over some of the famous serial killers from Ohio and serial killers that have roots in Ohio. And while they may not, you know, be the capital of serial killer, uh, they got some fucking brutal ones, some really brutal ones. But the truth is that Florida has almost double the amount of victims killed by serial killers compared to Ohio. And that uh, Florida's official count of serial killers in 2018 was 845 to Ohio's 333. And this comes from the World Population Review. In 2018, there Mm -hmm. were... There were that many serial killers just in no, two no, states. No, 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 no. Just uh, the span a of when the like. Uh, these are victims like since the FBI has started doing statistics on serial killers. Okay. Uh, so, wow. Yeah, that's still that's wow. a that's still a lot. Now, according to Crime Capsule, the state that produces the most serial killers per capita to their population would actually be Alaska. Huh. Yeah. And this follows because the activity of serial killers spiked in the 80s, and Alaska led the nation in serial killer murders during this decade. Experts have suggested a number of theories to account for why Alaska produces and houses so many serial killers. They point to environmental factors as a major influence. Extended winter nights for much of the year have a profound psychological impact on people, although most frequent symptoms of seasonal affective disorder is severe depression. But, Ohio, this is about you. And you may not be the reigning champs in serial killers nor professional sports because, sorry, the Bengals and the Browns are they're never going to win. <laughs> um, uh, you do, Ohio State's good, though. I don't like Ohio State, but they're a good team. <laughs> are you talking about uh, sporting? I sporting? I'm talking about sporting. Is this feetball? Feetball, right? Wait, it's, does Ohio have a good hockey team? Because I do like hockey. The, yeah, the Columbus Blue Jackets are pretty decent. Okay. Yeah, okay. I just alienated all the sports fans. Don't worry, sports people. I love sports. So. Another, I think, I think it's called soccer. I don't know. I could uh, be wrong. Uh, it's soccer. Is it soccer? <laughs> anyways. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. I don't like Ohio State because I once dated a girl that 
no matter what conversation we were in with whoever, she would always bring up that she went to the Ohio State. And I was just like, why does why is this such an integral part of your identity? Um, I don't understand. Weird. But outside of that, uh people are weird. Yeah. Yeah, they're weird. <laughs> they you uh got some uh, famous people from the area. They've done some fucked up shit. So let's uh, get some, uh, let's get started. And the first one would be the Cleveland Strangler. Do you guys know anything about the Cleveland Strangler? Nope. I do not. not. Well, he was an East Cleveland native named Anthony Sowell, who claimed 11 victims, which he buried the remains around his duplex. Jesus. He buried 11 people around a goddamn duplex. That's talent. That is, ta- well, you'll find out. Maybe it wasn't so much talent in <laughs> a little bit. But, okay. like, we're, we've all lived in cities. And, like, even when we lived in houses, I like, when I, I wouldn't bury a fucking bodies on a fucking quarter acre lot. No. No. That's, a, yeah, that's I just asking to get found. Yeah, that yeah, that's just asking to get found. Unless you're gonna mummify it and then cement <laughs> it or brick it into a wall and then yeah. plan oh. on dying in that house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. or you could yeah. pull a uh, secret garden trick and just make a planter bed out of them. Yeah, no. yeah. Or uh, how Caitlin's just like, no, here's a better technique. Here's a better technique. <laughs> oh, I mean, you're just. You, do you know me? Have you yeah. met yeah. me? So. I think. This is uh this is basically just gonna give some background on the Cleveland Strangler. In two thousand nine, Sowell invited a woman he knew to his home for a drink, and on September twenty second, she reported to the police after a few drinks he became angry, hit her, choked her, and raped her as she passed out. On the twenty ninth of October, police arrived at his home with a warrant to arrest him for the alleged rape. He was not there, but they found two bodies on the floor in the living room. He was located and arrested two days later. The bodies of four other women were found throughout the home. After digging in the backyard, investigators found three more bodies. Jesus. And the remains of a fourth police also found a human skull in a bucket inside the house, which brought the body count to 11. Sowell was charged with 11 counts of aggravated murder and over 70 counts of rape, kidnapping, tampering with evidence and abuse of a corpse. He pled not guilty by reasons of insanity. On August 10th, jurors recommended the death penalty for Sowell. Now, as I said, 11 like. 11 victims, but multiple bodies in a duplex. In a skull and a what? Both in a skull bucket? in a bucket. In a fucking mm. bucket. Decoration, you know? Yeah, you gotta, decoration. When you have company over, you want to really yeah. spruce the place up. I, you know, I mean, some, I, love maca- I, love the, I love the macabre. And yeah. I would probably decorate my house in a lot of weird shit. But yeah. can you imagine just coming into a house and you just like you accidentally hit a buck and you're like, what's in this bucket? And you look in and there's a fucking human skull. No, no, <laughs> yeah, I cannot. Be, no. But uh, I'm going to give a little background on him about his family life, which is pretty gnarly. And uh, his family's testimony that he was physically abused 
Sowell's niece, Leona Davis, testified that she lived with him and his mother and grandmother as a child after her own mother died and told a sad story of constant physical abuse by both the adult women in the house. She testified that her great aunt and Sowell's mother, Claudia Garrison, would strip the children naked, tie them to poles or banisters, and whip them sometimes with electrical cords. Jesus Christ. The beatings would occur almost daily and cause Davis to run away multiple times. Dude, just tie your husband up and get off on beating the shit out of his ass. You don't have to do it to your kids. Yeah, yeah. I know this comes from a Reuters article. Uh, But before we really start feeling sympathetic for Anthony, um, according to another niece who was a year younger than them, Sowell was among the abusers and was never abused himself. The woman told Jewers that when she was eight years old, when her mother died of chronic health problems, she and six other siblings moved in with Sowell. And this is the sister of the same girl, I believe. Oh, wow. And yeah. Sowell's sister, Teresa, an older brother who was known as Junior, also lived in the house. The violence began almost immediately, said the woman, almost daily. Gertrude Garrison forced the woman and her sister to strip naked in front of the other children. And then Garrison would tie them to the banister and whip them with electrical cords, much like it was claimed for Anthony Sowell. And some of the other siblings suffered similar abuse, the woman said, but so well, and his sister and older brother were spared, according to her, as they looked on from adjacent rooms. Conditions in the Page Avenue home, she said, grew even more insufferable after she turned 10 years old. She began to physically mature, and the boys who lived in the house took notice when Garrison made her strip. One day, Sowell, who was 11 at the time, forced her to follow him into his third bedroom, take off her clothes, and have sex with him under the threat of violence, the woman said. She complied, and soon the rape was nearly an everyday occurrence. And then she said her uncle, Junior, and her own older brother began making similar demands. Parker suggested that Sowell, too, was just a child and as much as a victim, having witnessed the abuse she was enduring. So despite being raped by this guy, she kind of still has some sympathy for him. I don't know if I would personally. I mean, she's I mean, it's like such a, God. a broken human being that she probably can't. She That girl doesn't know down from up. Yeah, that's that sounds like a serial killer factory jesus yeah Yeah, i mean like that lady can just write a she can write a book on how to create serial serial killers and sexual sadists too yeah 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 (sighs) there's a really special place in hell that that lady's in right now yeah absolutely so, so well, spent some time in the military after growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing really bad happened, even though he was disciplined and did lose rank for going AWOL, but he still received an honorable discharge. And then, fast forward a couple of years, uh, I see that he worked menial jobs and stuff like that. But in 1989, a pregnant woman entered his home voluntarily, and when she tried to leave, she was bound, gagged with a rag, brutally assaulted, and raped. 
He was charged with kidnapping, attempted rape, and rape. He pleaded guilty because he didn't have a good defense in the case. So he just basically was just like, I'm guilty as hell for doing this. And he was sentenced to 15 years in prison in 1990. And while inside, he worked as an assembler, cook, electrician, food cart attendant, porter, and a yard crewman. He also got his GED. He also completed the 12-step Alcoholics Anonymous program along with other programs for anger management, drug awareness, and positive personality change. So he went through a lot of rehabilitation programs. Yes, yes, he went through a lot of rehabilitation programs. He applied for a sexual offender treatment program in 1993, but wasn't accepted because he denied he actually committed this crime. So... Mm -hmm. He manipulated the the system. These guys can't, they can't be rehabilitated. And I have such, uh, I'm not even going to get into how I feel about the prison system, but serial rapists and pedophiles need to go into a cell by themselves and never see the light of day. And that's it. You don't get a second chance when you make that decision. That's giving up your right as a human being, in my opinion. Yeah. but anyways, he com- uh, like he got released in t- 2005 because it was deemed by the state he would never commit a sex t- crime again. Oh my god! <laughs> you can't. Yeah, no one right. can. You can't say that. Yeah, he's a narcissist oh manipulator. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! The evaluation god. is standard procedure for sex offenders yeah. just out of prison. It said that a hundred offenders with criminal behavior like so well, only six would commit another sex crime within five years of being released. Out of how many? So they basically only six out of a hundred. So they basically <laughs> did math. It. Yeah, god. they did math, and they were just like, "I don't think he's going to do this." Yeah. Again. So. He later worked in a factory before being laid off and started to collect unemployment. And this was around the same time that Sowell's neighbor started to complain of a foul smell coming from his residence. Yeah, I bet. I was going to say, like, how did they, how, how did he cover up the smell? Apparently he did. He didn't. He did not. And that's why he, I mean, here's my thing and my thoughts on this is that you have a sex offender, a traumatic childhood, you release him, nobody's going to follow up with that shit. Nobody's going to be like, like if a neighbor called him, it's just like, hey, this house next door to me, well, this duplex smells fucking foul. Nobody's just like, we might want to look into that. And plus, there's a sex offenders list. Yeah. Why don't you you still have it? On parole, though, like, weren't you? Yeah, yeah I mean, how is this person they do home, they do home to, yeah. yeah, or like have therapy sessions or fucking something? Yeah, well, I that don't... all changed back yeah. during was it Bush Senior, you know, where yeah. they changed a lot of those, uh, yeah. as far as like the federal supported mental health programs. So, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. and. That's kind of basically where I'm going to end the Cleveland Strangler story. Is there's like there's a bunch of good podcasts out there to listen to. uh, So did he die? Did they kill him? Uh, Yeah, how did it end? 
he is still alive. I believe he's still on death oh, row and he's trying to appeal. Asshole. And I know that uh, the city of Cleveland got sued by like people, but I don't want to go into too much detail about that. Uh, yeah. Just due to time. And as I said, if you're more curious about him, there's so many good podcasts out there. They'll give you a better like story in the aftermath of what yeah. happened. Thank you. I haven't heard that one yet, and I love hearing new ones. So. Now, I guess we'll go on to Donald Harvey. Does anybody know who Donald Harvey is? No. Do you he know who? Sound familiar. Do you know who Harold Shipman is? That the angel name of, sounds familiar. The angel of death in uh, England that basically was a doctor and killed a lot of people. Yeah, I've heard that one yeah. on another podcast that I listen to a lot. Well, Donald Harvey's kind of similar, but he wasn't a doctor. And this story uh, is uh, its not as gruesome as the Cleveland Strangler, but there's so many moments here that I go, what the fuck? Why wasn't anybody paying attention to this shit? But we're going to talk about him now. And Donald Harvey, who described himself as the angel of death with the claim of killing 87 people, but his number probably more realistically ranges around 37 to 57, but we'll actually never know the true scope of his crimes because his MO for murder, which ranged from tainted fluids and IVs, such as putting a Hep B in IVs, oh. wow. poisoning people in hospitals using cyanide arsenic or just causing respiratory failure by turning off ventilators or suffocating them come on man give them like let them overdose on morphine or something yeah jesus christ i'm sure that's i'm sure he did that somewhere i mean that would be better than hep b yeah yeah he said at first he did all these murders out of empathy, but it was later stated that he enjoyed it or acted out in anger towards the victim. You it's also noted, so. while a lot of serial killers have a general, like, person they go for, like, age group, race, mm-hmm. sex. Donald Harvey yeah. was all over the place. He did mm-hmm. not limit those victims to just people in hospitals. He also poisoned his roommate and lover, as well as nearby neighbors. His crimes vary by age of victims, as he admitted to killing a child to killing all the way to seniors. So he killed from a twelve-year-old boy to killing like a eighty-four-year-old, and there's I have two, everything two in between. Did, did they ever, ever? Did he ever reveal a motivation, like what his his own motivation was? He said that he I mean, felt empathy for him. And then that's the only reason he ever gave the whole time. No, he later kind of basically said I did it out of anger. And okay, power. because right like as soon as you first of all, he killed those people in such fucked up ways, there are way easier and painless ways that he could have killed people that would have been empathetic and understandable. Yeah. But besides the fact that he was a monster about the way he did it, the minute he goes outside of the hospital and just kills people he quote unquote loves, well, no, you're not doing anything for empathy. You're a fucking psychopathic serial killer. Which which is my 
my question is he a angel of death or technically or is he since it's not doesn't seem like it's actually out of compassion since he moved on to like, his family and stuff uh does that make him more like a serial poisoner basically I'm good, yeah I guess. he's a serial poisoner and like the people that like keep poison like his neighbors and lovers uh i think they got ill uh they didn't i don't think they bit it I tried to look uh, okay. around, but there was more of an emphasis on his hospital killings. But this yeah. comes from the New York Times. These are two of the sources that I'm listing. The New York Times and the Department of Psychology from the University of Virginia, yeah. uh, which kind of gives a look at his childhood. But Donald Harvey was born in Butler County, Ohio, near Cincinnati in 1952. He dropped out of school in ninth grade and began working in hospitals at the age of 18. His first medical job was an orderly at the Marymount Hospital in London, Kentucky. But here's some interesting medical history about him, which includes numerous head injuries. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Always. Uh, He was dropped as a child by his father when he was six months old. He was also hit in the head with a board at age five. He was also sexually abused by his uncle Wayne when he visited his grandmother. He was also abused by a neighbor named Dan Thomas during this time as well. So he was being molested and raped by two men. Not simultaneously, but in the same age range he didn't have a chance not to not to say what he did was okay but that person at that point never had a chance yeah yeah you're going down the serial killer checklist basically yeah yeah exactly and then he was raped again when he was 18 by his roommate randy white and right when he got raped he this is when he started working as an orderly at the hospital And it's also when he did his first kill. And he smothered a man named Logan Evans with a blue plastic sheet and a pillow. He listened to his heart rate with a stethoscope until he was dead. He disposed of the plastic and cleaned him up, dressing him in a clean hospital gown. He had no fear of getting caught and notified the nurse on duty. So he basically suffocated this dude and then notified the nurse. He then killed another man the very next day, this time accidentally. Hmm. He accidentally killed a man named James Tyree, 69, by using the wrong size catheter on him. Tyree let him proceed, but then yelled at him to take it out. Donald then used the heel of his hand to control him until he vomited blood and died. That doesn't sound like much of an accident. Yeah. I don't think he... I don't... like. I speculate here that perhaps he did not go into this thinking to kill James Tyree, but when it started happening, he did nothing to stop it. Yeah, so maybe it wasn't premeditated like the previous murder, Yeah, but he definitely didn't do anything to, yeah, he assisted in his death for yeah. sure. Yeah, and then a month later, he killed Elizabeth Wyatt, age 42. This was what he deemed his first mercy kill. He was aware that she was praying to die. She told him she wished she could die, so he turned her oxygen supply very low in order to kill her. Four hours later, a nurse found her dead. Then a month later, he killed Eugene McQueen, age 43, by turning him on his stomach when he knew he wasn't supposed to. Eugene drowned in his own fluids. Harvey informed the nurse that McQueen looked bad, but she said... 
But she said for him to continue. Therefore, he proceeded to bathe him after he was dead in order to avoid suspicion. This was covered up by the hospital for as long as he worked at Marymount. The doctors and nurses teased him for bathing a dead man. What? That wasn't suspicious at all. That was not that suspicious. Was weird, like, like four people row underneath this orderly fucking eat it. Sorry, what time period is this? And this was during the seventies, late seventies. Of course, uh, people still yeah. just didn't give a fuck back then. They didn't yes. know really. Now, yeah. The list of victims is super long, but I'm going to leave this in the show notes because it's an interesting read, and this is uh, basically the university. Virginia psychology department. Uh, But his co-workers often joked in both Kentucky and Cincinnati that he had the kiss of death. Harvey even got in on the fun himself saying things like, well, looks like I took care of another one for you, according to new service UPI. But he wasn't joking. Don Harvey was a serial killer. And from so, 1970, go on. I'm sorry. If someone has that nickname and they work in the medical field, if they just organically develop the nickname of having the kiss of fucking death, <clears throat> I think that person should probably be looked into. Maybe I don't know. know. You, maybe. you, they just didn't care. The, like, yeah, um, clearly, the this was negligent. Industry and the um, police force didn't like. No one really started caring until very, very recently. The very few people that do care. Like now so crazy. Yeah. Now, interesting enough, I think a security guard at the VA hospital, one of the V he worked at, was suspicious. He was just like, This dude is sus. He is sus as fuck. And he searched his bag and found it a loaded thirty-eight caliber revolver. Hospital supplies and books on the occult. Now I'm going to write off the occult books. A lot of people have books on the occult, and we're not killing people. Do they yeah, say which one? The other they stuff, do not. Though, that that's dangerous. Yeah. The hospital that's interesting, wasn't. Though. That is interesting. That's an interesting like element to it, though, because maybe he was summoning something. You never know. I mean, and I using, and I'm doing sacrifices. possession was for sure a part mm-hmm. of this man. I mean, yeah. he had way Sounds... too many head injuries and trauma to, yeah. to n- yeah. not have. Yeah. Yeah. But but he found the security guard was just like, dude, sus. I'm going to check his gym bag. The hospital wasn't able to discipline him, though, because the security had no probable cause to search Harvey. He was allowed to resign from his post as an autopsy assistant. And in 1986, he began working for Daniel Drake Memorial Hospital in Cincinnati, Ohio. Just a few weeks into his new position, Harvey began killing patients, and over the next year, he murdered dozens. Harvey claimed they were mercy killings. He was quoted in the New York Times as saying, I felt I was doing right. I was putting people out of their misery. I hope if I'm ever sick and full of tubes or on a respirator, someone will come and end it. However... Former criminal profiler Johnny Douglas, if you've watched uh, Mindhunter on Netflix, it's a good show. It's unfortunately canceled, but this is who it's based on. He said, he rejected the notion. He said, 
He was not a mercy killer because some of the things he did were so sadistic to the victims, like sticking a coat hanger up through a catheter into a patient's abdomen. Yeah, there's nothing mercy killing about yeah. that. Yeah. In 1987, though, Harvey used cyanide to murder John Powell, 44, who had been on life support for months following a bad motorcycle crash. He was the second person Harvey killed that day, according to People magazine. He, he has no MO. Away. Yeah. He could have gotten away with it, but during Powell's autopsy, the forensic pathologist smelt burn almonds an indicator of cyanide and alerted the police. When the police interviewed hospital staff, Harvey's name came up, both because of his mysterious departure from the VA hospital and the disturbing pattern of patients dying on his watch. Harvey volunteered to take a polygraph test after buying a book on how to lie and beat lie detectors according to people, but called in sick the day it was scheduled. Police then brought him in for questioning, and Harvey confessed to putting cyanide in Powell's feeding tube. He said he felt sorry for the victim, so he killed him. So he's not even really a serial poisoner either. There's really no M.O. There's no yeah. M.O. He killed There's so no many different people. Or, or style. No, he, yeah, he, he killed. Randomly, he was just like, oh, yeah. this is the flavor of the day. He's yeah, one of the most the chaotic of the day. Yeah, he I've was very chaotic because there was no just set pattern. And Damn. I find that interesting. I find that disturbing. <laughs> like, yeah, I found well, it. You, you, he probably was trying to be like, he, he was um, justifying it to himself. You yeah. know, I'm yeah. I'm a yeah. I'm a mercy killer. Like it's not that bad. I'm just yeah. doing what these people want me to do. And he tricked himself into thinking it was okay. Yeah. Now as mm. spring turned to summer, Harvey was facing one count of first degree murder, and that all changed after news anchor Pat I'm probably gonna butcher this name, but Pat McCannon of Cincinnati affiliate WCPO inquired on air if the 35-year-old nurse's aide was responsible for more deaths at Drake Memorial Hospital. Anonymous tips came flooding into the station from nurses and hospital staff who said they had filed complaints about Harvey's behavior but claimed they were ordered by supervisors to keep it quiet. Wow. The same ones that were probably jokingly saying he had the kiss of death, or the right. same ones covering That's it. That's kind of where my thought went. Was and just like probably, um, probably some other people that knew that he was sus and that wanted what the to say something, but that were told not to. Yeah, yeah. Damn. The outlet also reported that former Cincinnati police chief. Lawrence Whalen said there was no record of suspicions at the hospital, and the coroner asserted that the deaths were not unusually high on Harvey's ward. What? Like, what? His war? A war. A war. I was going to say, like, war just, just, like, brings a whole new level into this. probably to try to cover it up and save their own asses. Yeah. To, uh, out- not make the hospital <laughs> yeah. look bad or the, uh, the overseeing doctor. Yeah. Mm. Now, before airing their findings on television, they reached out to Bill Whalen. I don't think there's any relationship between Harvey's lawyer and the former police chief, but maybe I'm wrong. And his lawyer basically confronted him and said, dude, did you kill more people? And Harvey said, yeah. And when he asked how many people he killed, Harvey said he could only give an estimate, but thought the victim count could be as high as 70. 
And that number uh, letter shoots up to 87. So hmm. why is it thought that it's so much lower? Just because he can't, he can't because we can't prove it. We can't, or the other. Yeah, we can't okay. attest to it just because there's so much uh, shenanigans I'd going on with these other it. hospitals. I would, yeah, quite I possibly. Know. He yeah. sounds like a narcissist, so narcissists like to <laughs> exaggerate no. everything. But I mean, it yeah, could be. True, yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah. But he's, uh, he sounds very chaotic. Like I don't yeah. know what. How would you? How would you determine his intent? Like whether he is lying or not fuck i don't know i mean it's interesting that he was so like afraid of taking the polygraph that he just gave up like so he's not maybe he's not a good liar and maybe that's why he did that i don't know that's weird um yeah well also the fact that um the hospital is saying that the his but like the deaths on his ward weren't higher than average that also is another indicator that um, the body count isn't as high as what he's saying that it is. You know, yeah. they I mean, yeah, they quite possibly. That's actually a good sure. point. That's they an excellent point. Could be to save their asses, but they also could be telling the truth, and he's lying. So, yeah. I mean, who That's knows? Point. We'll never That's, know. good. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to do. Uh, one more that's you know pretty solid ohio and it's the cleveland torso murderer hang on i have one question is that dude is he in prison is he dead is he no he died in 2017 okay good he died he's rotting in hell yeah i do have like a like a tangential thing but i'll save that for the end okay cool now, uh, does anybody know about the Cleveland Torso murderer? Yes. Torso? No. Torso? Yeah. Torso. This one is still okay. unresolved, so I can't provide a lot of background on this one. There, there uh, are some there's theories. theories. There's theories. Yeah. And I'll go over just a couple of the ones that piqued my interest. But he was also known as the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. And... He killed and dismembered 12 victims in the Cleveland, Ohio area in the 1930s. The torso murderer also beheaded and often dismembered his victims, sometimes also cutting the torso in half in the style of the Black Dahlia corpse. Most of the victims were male, castrated, and there was also evidence of chemical treatment of being applied to their bodies. And although two suspects were investigated, these horrifying crimes with Elliot Ness in charge. Apparently he was a famous investigator. No one was ever convicted of the murders. Now, as I said, there's no background on him because never caught, but there's lots of theories that there was actually multiple murderers and that this was also the same person that committed the black Dahlia murder. What Caitlin, what have you heard? I wanted to just throw something in real quick. Elliot Ness was the the one that was famous for taking down uh, Al Capone. So. Ah, I thought the name sounded familiar, but I couldn't connect two yeah. and two together. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I would just throw out mafia connections. Mafia connections. Yeah, hmm. but this is actually um, good point. I think I was mistaken. I thought this was a different uh, torso. There are a bunch of torso killer stories. Mm-hmm. And I believe I mistook this for a different one, but I'm saying mafia just for um, the time period and how yeah. gruesome the murders are. And it uh, yeah. just, it, a, it's my knee jerk reaction. Could be gotcha. totally wrong. Um, 
question is a torso killer just mean a killer that dismembers in yeah. general is that like the term yeah. okay cool yeah hmm. now that yeah, we've talked interesting yeah now that we've talked about you know murderers that you know predominantly did this in ohio uh let's talk about people that you know left the state but still have some very deep roots in ohio and the first one uh is gary heidnick does anybody know him i have heard mm-hmm. his story yeah well he was a really smart dude according to some sources with an iq of 148 but instead of using that for good, he instead used it to commit rape on six with six women, murdering two of them in the city of Philadelphia. And that's only part of his heinous crimes. And that's why I wanted to, you know, put this story out there. He's not technically a serial killer by FBI standards, but he's pretty fucking gnarly. And he actually influenced one of cinema's most notorious serial killers. Now, he was born in East Lake, Ohio. In November in 1943, to Michael and Ellen Heidnick, and was raised in the Eastlake suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. He was the younger brother of Terry. His parents divorced in 1946, and the Heidnick children were raised by their mother for four years before being placed in the care of their father and new spouse. And while his father has denied abuse by Gary, Gary claims he was a chronic bedwetter. And his father would regularly shame him by making Gary hang his soiled sheets on the windows for all the neighbors to see. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's more confirmed than it. Um, every time I've heard this story, that's a part of it. I think his dad was a lying piece of shit. Probably. Probably. Now, when he was older, he joined the military way, trained as a medic before being sent to Europe, where he began to start experiencing stomach problems. And while he was getting these checked out, the doctor also noted that he had mental illness and he was sent back to America, where he was officially diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder. And he was basically, you know, discharged from the military. He later got married multiple times and had multiple children with these women. But this is where things start to get dark. When Heidnick had his third child with with another woman, Annette uh, and Jeanette Davidson, who was illiterate and mentally disabled. Their daughter, Maxine Davidson, was born on 1978 in March and immediately placed in foster care. Shortly after Maxine's birth, Heidnick was arrested for kidnapping and raping his this woman's sister, Alberta, who had been living in an institution for the mentally disabled in Penn Township. He was imprisoned until 1983. The original sentence was overturned on appeal, and Heidnick spent three years of his incarceration in a mental institution prior to being released in April of 1983 under the supervision of a state-sanctioned mental health program. He then immediately got remarried, but according to this woman, who just goes by the name Betty, he raped her after, she, and she basically left him. Now, let's fast forward a little bit. Over the course of one year, he kidnapped and imprisoned five women in his basement. He would torture and manipulate the women using electric shocks. The abuse and mistreatment were so severe that one woman died of starvation. And uh, it, this is this is where I'm just like, wow, this dude is fucked. Um, mm-hmm. When she died. Instead of, you know, just trying to dispose of the body, 
His response was to dismember her and cook her body parts to feed the other captives. He would often, he mixed it in dog food from what I'm reading. He like, you know, dismembered them, chopped them up, boiled it, cooked them, and mixed it in dog food and gave it to the people. And he would often put screwdrivers in his victims' ears as punishment, and he would connect live wires to chains and pipes that they were, you know, bound to, to torture them. His intention, from what he said, was to start a baby farm by impregnating these women. Now, he took his first victim, a prostitute named Josefina Riviera, who later helped him obtain several other victims. His second second victim was a mentally disabled woman named Sandra Lindsay. His third, Lisa Thomas, was a 19-year-old single mother. Um, I'm just going to interject here for a second. Do you guys, have you guys figured out, um, what movie was, uh, partially based around this character yet? Mm-hmm. No, but I like re- vaguely remember this plot, like in general, mm-hmm. but I can't, huh. I don't remember the name <laughs> at all. Andy, well, I'm surprised you haven't put this together yet. Can I get a clue? No, nah. you no. had way too many. <laughs> no, way too many already, but we'll get to it real soon. Sorry, Huntley, continue. Now, the woman that he killed was uh, the mentally disabled one, Sandra Lindsay, and it was accidental. Uh, reportedly, she upset him when she wasn't eating the bread he had given her fast enough. So he suspended her from the basement ceiling by her arms, and he later, you know, force fed her until she slowly suffocated. And that's when he took the body upstairs with a chainsaw and ground her up. Riviera, whom he trusted enough, the first victim, to let her wander around the house, remembered going upstairs and seeing a head floating in a boiling pot of water on the stove. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Mm-mm. No. No? He, um, I'll, I'll give you another clue, because, Huntley, it's about food, and you didn't talk about it, and I don't know if you're going to, but he would also um, do this thing where sometimes he would bring home a lot of, like, really, really good food and buy them champagne and stuff yeah. and, like, give them these really, really nice meals. Yeah. But then sometimes he would just not feed them at all. Yeah. And just be like, fuck it. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Um, but his own doing would ultimately be Riviera. And this is uh, where the movie adaption of Silence of the Lamb came okay. up with the idea. I'm uh, so surprised at you, Andy. Yeah. Now, well, Philadelphia. I was thinking Buffalo Bill, but that, <clears throat> the rest of it just kind of like didn't really mesh with that for me. I don't know why, but he. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an adaptation, but yeah. Yeah, and this is just only in the movie adap- uh, adaption, not really in the book from what I understand. My my gut was saying Buffalo Bill, yeah. but I just was like, there's no way. Like, But okay, I overthought it. So one night, Josefina Riviera convinced him to let her go and visit her family. And reportedly, Riviera led Heineck to believe that she was on his side. And when he released her, believing she would turn, Riviera immediately left and called 911. As a result, she saved the lives of the other women. Well, to my, if I'm correct, she, she was a black girl, right? Mm-hmm. 
So she went home and her she got to her boyfriend's house and she ran in the door and told him what happened and he didn't believe her. Um, I remember her, this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she had to like take off her clothes and show him her scars and marks and everything before like her family would even believe her enough to call the police. It was really horrible. It's really sad. Yeah. It's very, very sad. Yeah. Now, I can't believe he tried to use this argument at his arraignment. It's pretty. Uh, is it about the food? No, it's not about the food. This one. Okay. But he claimed that the women were already in the house when he moved in. Hmm. Yeah. He basically was just like, I don't know how they got there. They were there. It was like this one I got moved in. I moved my bed in. And there was just women chained Seriously? to the bottom of the basement. What the wow. fuck? I don't know if I just put that out of my memory or if I haven't heard that, but oh. holy fuck. Yeah. That's but yeah, he, to believe yeah. that. Yeah. But he basically yeah. just said, hey, they're already there. I'm not sure if you went into detail of them being chained in the basement or all that. But he was like, they were already there. What was I supposed to do? I uh, can't believe his attorney let him say that. I know. A- at the trial, his a- attorney basically tried to prove that um, he was legally insane. But Gary Heidenick's insanity was uh, successfully rebutted by the prosecution led by Charles F. Gallagher III. The fact that he had, mass- had amassed the wealth of $555 thousand dollars over a half a million dollars in his bank and brokerage accounts was used to argue he was not insane what yeah because so, he made money i mean he knew how to play the markets pretty goddamn well so I, like he was he was well how intelligent was he i don't know it's weird they, he's an oxymoron they, yeah he's well they crazy. said his iq was at 148 there's That's I'm very sorry, high. there's just a, a part that Huntley you didn't talk about and it's back a little bit, but I think it's interesting and kind of crazy. But um prior to him getting found out and getting arrested, uh a neighbor called a, a complaint in about sm- a, like a foul odor coming from his house and mm-hmm. the cops came by to check it out and he was like Oh, I burnt like he said I burnt a roast or something like that. Like it was something that he was cooking something and fucked it up. And the cops were just like, "Oh, okay." And okay, then left. We believe you. like they they didn't look around, they didn't question him further. It was just like that's it. Yeah. Jesus mm. Christ. Yeah. Yeah, like as I said that I don't want to go too too into too many details. Like anything you want to fill in, Caitlin, go for it. Uh, I just try to parse down my notes just because I'm like going over so damn many. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry if I'm no 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 no, no no you're fine no you're fine you're fine. Uh, but yeah, like that was one of those that I saw that was just like he basically just said that oh I I burnt I burned some meat that's what that foul smell is and yeah. the cop was just like yeah okay. Now, he uh, appealed many times due to his mental health, but it didn't work, and he was eventually executed in 1999 by the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard not to feel bad for people like that, 
I mean, again, I am not condoning what he did. Plenty of people get molested and have horrible, horrible childhoods and don't turn into serial pedophile rapist murderers. Yeah. But if, and it's just, it's a time period that he grew up in, but if he had maybe gotten some help or like had somebody in his life that actually gave a shit about him, he maybe could have had a different path. You know, it's just, it's hard not to have empathy for some, somebody that as a child lived that way. Yeah. Just Mm. not, not, not knowing love at all. Let's do a few honorable mentions here. Um, As I said, like earlier in the show, there's so many true crime podcasts. They're going to go into bigger details than me on all of these people. But the the point of this the theme is that what the fuck is going on in Ohio? <laughs> but Thomas Dillon killed five people in the state of Ohio by launching an F and the FBI basically launched a manhunt for him. And Thomas Dillon would drive around in his pickup and choosing random people who were out hiking or enjoying nature. No one to this day knows why he started his murdering spree or how he picked his victims. His fourth victim was killed on federal soil, meaning that the FBI had to get involved in the investigation. A year later, he was arrested for illegal ownership of a silencer. That's basically what caused that to tumble down. God knows how many more people he would have killed if he did not, you know, do that on federal land. He was basically convicted of murdering five people and sentenced to 165 years in jail. His life finally came to an end in 2011. He was born in Canton, Ohio. Robert Burdella, a.k.a. the Kansas City Butcher, was also born in Ohio. And from 1984 to 1987, he went on a killing and torturing spree. In total, he mutilated, raped, and killed five men. His killing and torture methods were increasingly brutal and bold. After his sixth victim managed to escape, Burdella was caught by the police and eventually sentenced to life in prison. And just four years later, he died of a heart attack. Edward Edwards, who was born in Akron, Ohio. And in 1955, Edwards escaped from jail and drifted around the country robbing gas stations. He wrote that he never disguised himself during crimes because he wanted to be famous. He was placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted list in 1961. And after his 1962 capture, he was paroled in 1967. Edwards claimed that the influence of of a benevolent guard at the prison reformed him. He married and became a motivational speaker, which he spoke out for. He became an advocate for prison reform. So, you know, that's a little heartwarming. However... In 2010, in his late 70s, Edwards confessed to killing two couples. One couple were shot in the neck in 1977, and another was killed in Silver Creek Park in 1980. The woman had been raped and strangled, and the man had been stabbed. Edwards shot his foster son in 1996, and he is considered a viable suspect in the Zodiac murders, the West Memphis Three murders and the John Benet Ramsey and other lesser known murders. So basically he was just, you know, a ba- he kind of sounded like he was just a bandit wanting to get famous in the back in the day. 
And then he went to prison. He's like, look, I turned my life around. And he's going around the motivational circuit. And then one day, he's just like, by the way, I killed all these people. I guess that's one way to get famous. Probably not the yeah. good way, but... Yeah. Some of them, some of them want to get caught. Um, yeah. True. I think he. I think when... I, I bet you when his fame started to diminish... He came out with that. Mm-hmm. He, probably, mm-hmm. I think he did it. I think he did it. But I think when like people no longer gave a shit about him and he was old and he was just like, fuck it, I'm going to confess to these murders I did. So there's a really great podcast that I'm going to plug right now. It's called The Clearing. And um, the the guy that does it, um, his first name is Payne. I can't remember his last name right now, but he's a great narrator and he's like very easy to listen to. And Ed, Ed Edwards has a fascinating story because he was actually on a dating game show and um, his daughter, April, turned him in because she saw an episode. She she was already feeling kind of uh, sus about him to begin with. And then she watched an episode of F. Um, I think it was uh, like FBI Most Wanted or something. And she called in and was like, hey, I. I think this is my dad. And that's actually how he went to prison for the rest of his life because she, she made it happen. Um, and yeah, he, like, he's a piece of shit. The, the thing, the way he murdered his, um, stepson, it was just horrible. I'm not going to go into it, but if you're interested in serial killers, um, the clearing is a great podcast that is just about him. And it, it's just, um, really great information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Check that out. Uh, if you're more interested in, uh, Edward Edwards, definitely. Um, not his real name also, obviously yeah. fucking idiot. Ed Wayne <laughs> Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is it always three names? Why do we do that? Um, it's to make sure that people with the same first and last name don't become affiliated Mm -hmm. with that person. Uh, That makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to go into too many details, but this is another, and there's so many good podcasts and documentaries about them that if you don't know much about him, uh, just Google it. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, who was... Born in Milwaukee, but spent his childhood in Ohio and even attended the Ohio State University. Sorry, I had to I had trademark. I had to bring it in. Uh, the trademark Ohio State University. Now, interesting, uh, like he is probably one of the most prolific, famous serial killers around in america uh but he claims his compulsions this comes from biography biography.com but he claims his compulsions towards necrophilia and murdering began around the age of 14 but it appears that the breakdown of his parents marriage and divorce a few years later was the catalyst for him turning these thoughts into actions and by the time of his first killing, Dahmer's alcohol consumption had spun out of control, and he dropped out of Ohio State University after one quarter term 
his drinking problem, it just keeps on, you know, getting worse. And then he joined the army and was discharged. But he is the serial killer that, you know, drilled holes in people's heads and put battery acid in it. Uh, And I don't know, like, I know a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer. We could do an entire goddamn episode about Jeffrey Dahmer, but so many people are going to do it better than my stoned ass. I do Um, have one thing to add. Go. (laughs) On Dahmer. Quick story, real quick. I have a coworker. He used to... uh, he doesn't look like it anymore, but he had this phase where his hair and he was wearing these glasses that were just like Dahmer's as well. <clears throat> he looked dead up like Dahmer. That would and be he didn't, well, he didn't realize it, but myself and one of my coworkers did. And every time he would come around, my coworker would yell out, let the girl go <laughs> or something like that. Or like some kind of fucked up reference to him being a serial killer. He never caught on, but yeah, yeah. no, it's, creepy yeah he's a he's a dark one yeah he's a dark one so there's a lot of podcasts uh, out there um i was actually talking to my wife about this and like we were just talking like she was just like i think he was just a really lonely individual especially just the way he died with his head being crushed and there was no indication that he fought back yeah his head was crushed in prison uh, Caitlin, do you got you want to add some stuff on Dahmer? Um, no, I I haven't. I don't know much about him. I just know that his story is really, really dark, and yeah. that there's not there's just not really a silver lining, and um, it's just a really depressing rabbit hole to go down. So he's actually one that I just kind of stay away from. Yeah. But he killed 17 men between 1978 and 1991, and he would strangle them, uh, engage in sexual acts with the corpses before he would dismember them. Uh, There's all sorts of things like he buried his first victim's body in uh, his parents' yard and later exhumed them to uh, bury them somewhere else. And... He's a he's a twisted fellow giving lobotomies. Uh, he would keep his victims' body parts in like the refrigerator and plastic bags, all sorts of madness. And yeah, like that's how I'm going to wrap up. Uh, just talking about serial killers, and I don't like. I want to know why so many brutal, brutal, brutal killers come from ohio <laughs> yeah those are all extremely brutal yeah and while they may not be you know the capital the like the incubator of serial killers the ones that you know i read about tonight are you know pretty fucking gnarly and gruesome dudes yeah mm-hmm and they all I, like I will I'll, I'll give one interjection about um about Dahmer because it, there was recently um an article that I read and I don't remember the cop's name but he was recognized in Milwaukee as he retired and they did this whole big thing for him but he actually 
came across one of Dahmer's victims, and he was a young black, um, I believe, sex worker. Mm-hmm. And he he was like trying to tell the cop that he was in trouble, and yeah, um, yeah, and they let... took him back to Dahmer. Yeah, they took him back to yeah, Dahmer. Yeah, they took him back to so, Dahmer. I I don't know. I we're not gonna do politics on the show. I know, but uh, it's just sufficient to say that cops need to do a better fucking job at their jobs. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was uh, I believe that he uh, like they did not want to get involved just because it was you know homos- uh, homosexual domestic disturbance according to what I'm reading and they just basically yeah. drop this uh, person back off well yeah he wasn't mm-hmm. a person they just didn't they didn't see him as a person he he was just a nobody in their eyes and he didn't matter and he was 14 years old. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. What yeah. the fuck? And it it happened in the 70s, but things haven't gotten better. No. They haven't. Quite, and it needs to I change. do have a question about serial killers in general. Like, what is it about the 70s and 80s? Like, did was it higher or was it just the public, the the publicity of it all at that time so people were still in the fantasy of like um we live in a world where we can leave our doors unlocked and everything Mm -hmm. is fine and it was like it was like the period before helicopter parenting it was like any any adult was in charge of any kid and it didn't matter who it didn't matter who they were if they were a kid they had to listen to an adult. I mean, I have heard so many stories on murder podcasts of like four and five year old little girls walking home from elementary school or walking to elementary school and a person getting out of the car and molesting them and them running home to their parents and telling them what happened and getting, getting spanked or or reprimanded for talking that way and say their, you know, their parents would tell them don't talk like that again. And it wasn't addressed. It wasn't consoled. It was just ignored. And that's how that, that's how it was. And, and that's what created helicopter parenting because that created a generation of, of parents that were like, this is never going to fucking happen to my kid Yeah, because in the seventies and eighties, parents just let their kids go out and do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. It was, you know, leave in the morning and come back when the sun goes down for dinner. And that's how it was because that's how they were raised. And it was safer in their parents generation to do that. But then all these fucking predators were like, oh, there are all these kids around that are just totally fucking available because I'm an adult and their parents are going to tell them to listen to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. just to add something, I, I looked it up. The statistic, this is um, serialkillersinfo.com and they have all kinds of different statistics, infographics and stuff. But they list it decade by decade, and it looks like there was a spike 
um, that started in the late sixties, early seventies. And then it just went vertical into 1992. No, 1987. Wow. You're okay. I was born, uh, was the peak. (laughs) Don't know what that means. Um, and then it has trailed down significantly. It's a fraction of what it was. Uh, but it's still not any better because 800,000 kids under the age of yeah. 18 go missing every year in America True. without True. a trace yeah. no, and never and nothing just gone, done. Their cases are it, old. 800,000, nearly a million kids in America. I can't remember. Is that kids or is it the the entire? What's the number of total missing people? Because I know that one's really really high. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just listen. The reason I have been talking to you guys about Adrenochrome is because I just listened to a podcast the other day that was uh, like they had released it that day, and these guys do a bunch of research, and they that was the number that they gave was eight hundred thousand a kid a year. Wow kids in america right now yeah it looks like i don't know i don't know about like where the um the eight hundred thousand number comes from um but it it does hover around that for total missing people per year and stuff like that Mm -hmm. what's interesting too on that is there's a peak a peak and that begins in 1990 and then scales up and peaks. Oh, excuse me. It be, yeah, it peaks in 1997. So a decade after the peak for the number of serial killers, there's a number uh, peak of missing people. Or I don't know if there's any correlation. Correlation with it. I, yeah, um, that's interesting. I I just want to give a, a shout out to this podcast I was talking about. It's the Ohio podcast that I listened to. That says that. They they hmm. really sound like they do a bunch of research. It's their most rep- um sorry most recent episode. It aired on Monday. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so they they sound very uh, you know they sound like professionals. Mm-hmm. Well, either way, it's just interesting to note, you know, like oh, the I don't know what what other digging deeper into the data. I wish I was a statistician or something. I could actually do that, but. Um, It'd be interesting to note to see if the what kind of correlations there might be between those two, uh, yeah. those two things. Yeah, I. And then of course the UFO abductees, you know, are the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. of course, got to account for that. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, it's just like the the Ohio thing, though, to me. Yeah, yeah maybe there's water. something about the area that they're on. Yeah, yeah, curse land, curse land, like the, yeah, something, something in the, in the water, something uh, in like, the air, something in the air. Uh, something. I yeah, it's just like a lot of like Cleveland. A lot of Clevelanders just be like, oh, this is uh, this is the serial killer capital of the country. And it's not. Maybe the FBI or the government, some government branch is doing some kind of weird experiment there. <laughs> yeah. MK Ultra is based there. MK yeah. Ultra is based in Cleveland. Right. Yeah. 
or whatever whatever version is running today i guess whatever yeah. name whatever name it is i don't know i i just find I it i find i find these people extremely brutal even donald harvey who like if you look at pictures of him he seems kind of like a meek man but like the way he killed people and the the sponge bathing the dead guy just to, to avoid suspicion. There's like premeditation there. There's forethought into it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the nerdy looking normal ones are the ones you really have to look out for. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What are you trying to say? <laughs> yeah, it's just. Oh, I actually wasn't thinking about you. Sorry. No, you're Manson all the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I need the glasses. Yeah, I'm going to get those glasses just to complete the look. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, do we got any thoughts on this other than water, air, aerosol, serial killer for- formulas, being spread chemtrail formulas, being over uh, Ohio? Oh, chemtrails all the way. Yeah. It's my theory. I do. I do have some, I've done research into serial killers through divin, like from a spiritual perspective, mm-hmm. uh, with divination, if you're interested in those, yes. that information. Yeah. Let's do that real quick. Uh, so spiritual, look at it, looking at it from an energetic or spiritual perspective, what I basically have learned is that, um, so Obviously, we see that pattern of abuse in most of these. A major thing is often a head injury mm-hmm. that happens. And it appears that for whatever brief moment when... So these people are putting the, they're putting these abusive situations that's drawing a massive amount of negative energy to them, right? So you're pretty much guaranteeing attachments to begin with, right? Of, of demonic, archonic entities, right? Because they're feeding off this negativity... Um, because they're already attached to the abuser, right? So the abuser is creating more vessels kind of in a way to kind of think of it that way. Mm-hmm. And eventually sooner or later, um, from what I've divined, there's some sort of, uh, life threatening, uh, event. Now it can be an illness. It can be anything really. Right. Um, uh, the strike to the head is a very common one from what I've seen, which makes sense due to the abuse that's going on. Um, but basically what I learned was that when the body dies, um, there's a brief, brief, brief window. Mm-hmm. And basically these attachments are already there attached to this vessel, right? So they can just slip right in kind of thing. And that's when it accelerates. But uh, from what else I divined is they, they also go through the veil of forgetting, you know, like that we do. So they kind of have to like figure out kind of what they are again. And just like we have bliss during our, um, you know, spiritual experiences that are significant for us, they kind of have the opposite, like an inverse of that, which is like a dark bliss basically when it pertains to doing the things that they do. So, that just to kind of throw that stuff into it from a spiritual, my perspective, obviously, um, yeah. for a lot of those things um, and what I've defined about it. It's interesting um, to kind of think about how how possession can happen 
and things like that. Cause there are different phases to it. When you look into demonology, there's infestation, there's oppression and then possession, you know, yeah. possession's the last stage. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Just that. <laughs> I mean, that's why we do this show. That's uh, yeah. we go out there. Chair. We go out there uh, more than the other people. Uh, yeah. It is an interesting subject for me from the spiritual perspective, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And David, any thoughts from you? Uh, Poor David. I was just going to talk about a <laughs> episode from a sci-fi show from 25 years ago that has a serial killer in it, but that's yeah, all I got. What, what show? Uh, Babylon 5. Babylon yeah. It's, um, before I get into that, do any of you know, was Jack the Ripper no. caught? No. no or Jack the Ripper was never caught. Okay. All right. That makes sense. All right. So a lot of theories though. Mm-hmm. Basic. Yeah. So I guess this episode is like one of those theories and basically like, I won't get into the whole plot of the show, but there's this, there's like some chosen ones that are like supposed to unite the whole galaxy to like fight this fight off this existential threat and everything. And there's like this, this guardian race that kind of watches over to make sure everything's going okay with this fight against the darkness or whatever. And one of these episodes, they bring in, we don't learn it till the end, but they bring in Jack the Ripper. They like kept him preserved in some like cryostasis or something. And he basically tests the saviors to make sure that they're ready for, all the trials and tribulations that are coming. That show sounds really Yeah. And (laughs) I love it. Oh, it's a real, it's a great show. Um, just overall, but, um, yeah. And just like the way he tests these, you know, saviors is like, it's not pretty. He's basically torturing. So Hmm. I might have to watch that. Yeah. 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 I never watched that. I never, it's it's a good show. Yeah, it's um, it's it was one of my favorites. Like I, I called an episode or two, but I never sat down like I did with like Star Trek series or Battlestar Galactica. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I will say the first season is mostly like world building, and the episodes are a little mm-hmm. bit all over the place. But then everything after that is like a, that's how it always. It's yeah. it's all set up. Yeah. Yeah, but like it really like has a lot of setup to do. It like it all ties together. I might, I might go back on, and uh, so. check that out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Cool. That's all I got. <laughs> Fucking space, space aliens, aliens shit. and shit. I always like the whole th- the theory that H. H. Holmes was actually uh Jack the Ripper. Oh yeah, I'm glad you <clears> brought yeah. that up. Yeah. Hmm. Because. <clears throat> He was a doctor. He was wealthy. He could easily have traveled, like, <clears throat> or maybe if he wasn't him, maybe he was like somehow associated with him. You know, maybe he like an apprentice. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. That'd be kind of an interesting story. You know, if someone wants to, again, if someone wants out there wants to write one, just give us credit. <laughs> yeah, give us give us credit. <laughs> um, Caitlin, do you have anything to add? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, I love going into the minds of serial killers. I just, um, you know, I don't know how much your listeners want to know about it or whatever, but uh, send us your hate mail. 
please tell me how much you hate me. I really <laughs> want you to. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't draw that towards you. No. Oh. <clears throat> well. I want it to be evenly distributed because we can read them and it would be hilarious because we can just, you know. Um, yeah. I want to make fun of all the Christians telling me I'm evil and going to hell. I think Huntley's the main one right now, but I'm going to try to fix that soon. I'm going to compete with him. I know. I'm on the list too. They come after me me because they say I'm gross. Because they say, uh, like, I have a gross mouth and uh, that I'm promoting evil. Well, we should start and that I'm obnoxious. That was my. That was a good one. You're, obnoxious. You're, <laughs> I was off. like, I was like, you're not completely wrong. I uh, guarantee but, you that any person that's calling you obnoxious is ten times igno- as obnoxious yeah, as you are. Probably, and that that's goddamn. That'd be really yeah. obnoxious. <laughs> How many <laughs> listeners in Ohio do we have? What's oh. our fan base like there? I don't know. Hopefully it goes up with this one. <laughs> I hope so. Okay, I have an idea. <clears throat> we Go should, on. you know, those word, those word cloud algorithms that scan documents and do word clouds mm-hmm. based on how prevalent they are? Yeah. <clears throat> we should label each hate mail that comes in for who's it, who is it's for, right? Yeah. Then do a word cloud analysis of all the, the hate mail and figure yeah. out which, then we can come up with titles, you know? Like, oh, cool. that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Now, yeah. now to, the, the, to our listenership, I will say we get more positive mail than we do hate mail. And we get interest, and we get interesting stories from a lot of people. Speaking of which, uh, we will have some uh, stories from listeners uh, dropping this Sunday uh, for the bonus episode. But if you want to listen to the bonus episode early, you can always go to our website, The High Kind, and subscribe to us uh, through Patreon and listen to it earlier. We usually hey, drop them. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna plug my Twitter account in case anybody weird wants to follow me. Uh, okay. oh, I'm no. super uh, I'm super leftist, so if you don't like that, you probably won't like me. But I'm uh, at Nemesis Mistress on Twitter. And you can, I don't know, put it in the show notes or whatever. But, but I, I need to... I, I need have to like 20 followers, so come and follow me. <laughs> and you can be a dick if you want, but I'll probably be a dick back. Yeah. Or, and uh, plug our TikTok. Uh, you can catch us oh, at TikTok yeah. at High Kind Pod. And uh, we post trailers there. Uh, we get a lot of interesting interactions on TikTok. Yeah. Uh, a lot of interesting ones today. I woke up to a person watching uh, the video that we we are going to talk about this Sunday when the episode drops about how it's uh, demon entities and all sorts of stuff, which isn't too far off from some of the stuff we talked about. But they went a completely different route than we did. But, um, yeah, I say let's call that a wrap. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. We're everywhere. And uh, visit us at thehighkind.com. Yeah. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Later.